If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. years, this city has developed in tandem. In fact, you could argue it's developed because of its proximity to the Yamuna River, one of the great civilizational water sources in Indian history. And simultaneously, as an architect, as an urban designer, I was compelled to highlight that this is a tragic relationship, because as Delhi has grown, and as our population in the capital city has crossed 20 million, the river is dead. It's no longer a river capable of supporting, sustaining any life. Welcome to Water from the Indian Express, a series that explores water in all the ways it enters our lives. I am Ameya Nagarajan. Water is a driving force of civilization. You'll find nearly every historical city was on the banks of a water body. And if that water body was the sea, it was likely near a source of fresh water. But water can also wipe out civilizations. Take the Mayans, the great Mayan city of Tikal in Guatemala. It was one of those cities not by a source of fresh water, but Tikal was in the rainforest where it rained a lot, right? So they had a massive system of harvesting and storage to keep the fresh water. But studies show that as the city grew, they cleared more and more forest. And eventually this deforestation meant that there was less rain each year. And eventually Tikal couldn't support its population. And so the city died. Angkorwat. The Khmer Kingdom was impressive in its management of water. The engineering marvels it created, they had like all these channels and canals everywhere that water was brought in from far away and the whole area was beautifully sort of set up with water. But all the water that they diverted changed the nature of the catchment area of the rivers and the way that the catchment worked. 
and all that stone didn't really absorb water at the same rate that soil would, which meant that the groundwater wasn't getting replenished. And the result? Well, damage to the infrastructure and the water supply. And studies have shown that this is one of the reasons that the city collapsed. Even closer to home, studies reveal that the Indus Valley civilization didn't suddenly die out from an invasion like we've always taught in school. But in actual fact, the river Saraswati, that many of its settlements were on, began to dry up. And as a result, the cities were forced to break into smaller, smaller settlements and drift further, further inland. The Saraswati dried and climate change altered how the monsoon worked. Does that sound familiar, guys? The changing monsoon rain is just one of the many things that are playing havoc with our next best source of fresh water, rivers. So let's begin. What is a river? Yeah, okay, that's a silly question. We all know rivers and streams and nalas and so on and so forth. They're channels where water flows, usually towards a lake or an ocean or a larger water body of some kind. Water flowing. Pankaj Veer Gupta. I'm an architect, born and brought up in Delhi. I'm a professor of architecture and I co-direct a project at the University of Virginia called the Yamuna River Project. I lived in this city until I was 18 years old and I have a very vivid memory. I lived very close to a very large stormwater nala, which is now called the Barakula nala. And in the late 70s, as children, we used to love watching this nala in the monsoon because the monsoon waters, there would be torrential gushes of water. And I have seen many years during the monsoons, really large fish jumping out of these nalas and people catching these fish. And the water was clean. It was clean storm water, essentially rainwater, going, finding its trajectory to the Yamuna. Rivers are actually quite a bit more than water. There's a lot going on in the water. We have to remember that there's fish and aquatic animals, there's plants on the banks. And there's sometimes plants in the water. There's all the sediment that the river has picked up on its long, long journey from wherever it started up in the mountains. And there's all the microscopic plant and animal life that floats around in the water. And if you push your understanding of the river a little further and you think about it, the river is connected to the groundwater as well, right? Because the river's water seeps down, down, down through the bed and eventually recharges groundwater. And when the water table rises up, up, up to a point where it hits land, it spills out as streams that eventually join a river. Uh, my name is Manchu Thakkar. I work as a coordinator of South Asian Network on dams, rivers and people. Connection is called lateral connection. Then the river is a vertical connection. River is the biggest groundwater recharge system. And there is a dynamic equilibrium between surface water and groundwater. Rivers are also their floodplains, which include wetlands and smaller water bodies, lakes and ponds that fill when the plains flood. 
Rivers are their catchment areas. All the forests and vegetation upriver and often uphill, where the water collects and runs along to make these bigger and bigger streams that eventually become rivers. Rivers are also their estuaries, their deltas, where the mouth hits the sea, where freshwater and seawater are locked in a battle for supremacy, where the silt deposits into deltas. I mean, the point is basically rivers are really complex. They're a really complex, constantly shifting dynamic system, and they're one that we know barely anything about. Yes, even in that mecca of knowledge, the West. And yet we've been meddling with them for decades. Dams for hydropower, canals for irrigation, diverting water to keep ports open, diverting water to drink, throwing stuff in rivers. And rivers have gamely just taken all of this. They've just kept flowing. They've just kept cleaning themselves, keeping life going. And that life inside them has learned to live with its changing habitat. But we've finally gone too far. I mean, we've actually basically hit the point where the river can't fix itself anymore. Rivers in India today are dying. Some of them are already dead. Before it comes to Delhi, she is a glorious river. In fact, if you happen to just go four or five kilometers north of Delhi, past the Wazirabad barrage, where 100% of the Yamuna is dammed and diverted to supply the unquenching thirst of Delhi citizens, five or 10 kilometers north of the city, it is a bucolic, pristine, beautiful body of water. It's majestic. It has pollution, but marginal because it's runoff from fertilizers and pesticides, largely agricultural, a few contaminants from industrial effluents, but it's still a river where aquatic life and plant life, avian life, birds, it's like confronting a life-giving force. And yet, within a few hundred meters south of the Wazirabad barrage, all you see is sewage, toxins, pollutants, and that's what happens all the way south for hundreds of kilometers until other tributaries like the Betwa and the Ken provide fresh water and re-energize the Yamuna. When is a river dead? Well, when it has no flow anymore. When it can no longer perform the two main duties of a river, according to Himanshu Tucker, it can't transport water and it can't distribute sediment. So one of the key functions of the river to take the water from the, the silt, from the head reaches to the plains and right up to the sea. In fact, when river reaches the sea, it is fighting the continuous battle against the salinity ingress from the sea. And there are two weapons that the river uses in that struggle and fight. Uh, water is one of them, but the silt is another one. Sediment is one of the most important parts of a river, especially for humans. All that nutrient-rich soil that the river dumps out when it slows or when it floods, it makes a really great place to grow things. And that automatically becomes a place with diverse animal life and diverse food sources for humans. Floodplains and deltas are the most important part of rivers for humans. But in our obsession with the water and rivers, we've forgotten about sediment and now we're paying the price. Dams stop the flow of sediment. So it piles up behind them and the water that goes downstream is nutrient poor. Embankments stop flooding, which means the sediment never gets deposited on the plains around it and eventually the fertility of the soil goes down. And you see, the plains, the rivers and the deltas are the ones that suffer the consequences. There isn't enough silt in the deltas and there's too much silt in the rivers. 
for example, the Bihar Chief Minister has been saying that how the silt accumulation in Ganga, in Bihar, has created a number of problems in terms of increasing the river bed, in terms of increasing the hence flood level, and hence increasing the flood duration, flood intensity, and flood destruction. And he blames largely a part of it on firstly on the upstream water not coming, but the secondly also downstream Saraka bearing. India is a country where we have many historically, culturally and religiously important rivers. You think of this as the country where the river is always the cradle of civilization. You think of the Indus Valley and the Indus River. You think of Banaras on the Ghats on the Ganga. You think of Maheshwar in Madhya Pradesh on the Narmada. I mean, in fact, I'm hard pressed to think of a city that hasn't had a significant symbiotic relationship with the river. And so we were startled to think that this, this great land, which has nurtured civilization always in concordance with its sacred water bodies, would have its capital city absolutely oblivious of the degradation and the denial you can call it the death of its river, not even being mourned, not even being confronted. We worship the Ganga, and yet she is as famous for her pollution as she is for the legends associated with her. The most well-known manifestation of the, the bad state of the river is the pollution. In, that is the most celebrated uh, river for the pollution was the Ganga. I think two years back the Ganga was described as one of the five most polluted rivers of the world. And incidentally, it's also a river, river which is most revered in the world possibly. Luckily, we're waking up to the problem. Finally, we're starting to take steps. In terms of the policy per se, uh, the national water policy, the latest version um, is from 2012, is what sets the principles for uh, management of water resources, among other things, for the entire country. And interestingly, uh, the document actually um, recognizes that the national, the natural water resources are under threat. So it could be rivers, it could be uh, water bodies, lakes, etc. And it also recognizes the fact that uh, while these are under threat, they cause a larger negative impact, which is environmental, which could be health impact, cultural, economic, etc. So, I mean, the fact that it's been brought up at the national level policy itself is very heartening. Next week, we find out more about water policy in India and whether we can change course and rejuvenate our rivers. This is Water from the Indian Express.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.